Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday evening. Like I said, I'm trying to go through my regular uh, routine of podcasts as soon as I can this week. So um, let me turn my attention with a little trepidation to the summum bonum. We finished the Rambam and the Ramban, who were the two famous protagonists, who argue, as I tried to explain best I could, although it took a while, the differences between the approach of the Rambam and the Ramban to such things as uh, Mashiach, especially Tchies HaMesim, and more than anything else, Olam Haba. So the question is, you know, who do we go with after the uh, Rambam and the Ramban, who are the two great Bali Deo? Um, so I've chosen to do Chazai Kreskis even though he's the hardest of them all, in my opinion. Uh, not everybody's familiar with Chazay Kreska. Although I think I did a podcast in, excuse me, I beg your pardon, long ago. Um, by the way, this is, of course, uh, being sponsored once again by Mishpacha Savansky, who wants to carry this forward, as always, so thank you. Um, and uh, the Rambam, Maimonides, lived in the 1100s. And Nachmanis Ramban lived in the 1200s. And Chazay Crescas lived in the 1300s. In Spain, uh, in, in Aragon, in, in uh, Christian Spain. And as I always say, Chazay Crescas, a Nidgatkin Mazel, from the uh, point of view of fame, because he was a big rabbi and a rich guy and so forth, an extremely Chacha person in Spain in the late 1300s, and he died in the very early 1400s, and uh, he was a Talmud of the Ran, uh, one of the Talmudim of Hakim of the Ran, and for the yeshiva guys who are listening to this, Chazde Kreskis is the Rebbe of the Namuki Yosef, so that'll locate him in your mind that the guy knew how to learn, and he was a friend of the, close friend of the Rivosh, he was also Rebbe of the, uh, Sefer Ikram. So he was a big dude. And he was, but when I say Dinam Mazel, what I mean is that um, he had two big projects uh, in mind. And they both had to do with the Rambam, with Maimonides. And he was an anti Maimonidean. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way, in the sense that he tried to beat up on the Rambam and burn his books and things like this, as some did. But rather, he was a Barplukta. He undertook Derech Seichel to argue and try to up the Rambam, particularly in the Murnevuchim. And I'm talking about on the technical matters of philosophy, especially the, the 20 some arguments, whatever it is, the Rambam's that you have to know in order to be from and all that. No, the Aristotelian stuff. And uh, he's famous in history intellectual history, for being the first guy to sort of philosophically slug up Aristotle, which is no small business. In other words, refute Aristotle through argument. So that means the guy was a heavy-duty thinker. 
you know, he was a egghead to go into the, uh, you know, to to to, uh, to argue against, you know, the questions of uh, of the soul and of the cosmology and all the other things in there, which are beyond me. And he was holding in it because he lived in a time in the 1300s. And I've mentioned this in different podcasts, but I don't expect you to know them all. That um, he lived in a time when um, Yiddishkeit was under attack externally and internally. Um, externally by the Christians, which culminated in the Great Massacres of 1391. And internally by... Um, shall I call them left-wingers within Judaism in Spain? It's a very controversial business, how big were the left-wingers among the Jews in Spain. But they they had them. And uh, the left-wingers always based themselves on the Rambam, as left-wingers in Judaism have done for the last thousand years or so. And they say, how can you do this? They say, I'm a Maimonidean. So I'm not going through all that because I did a series on that on the YouTube, but... Chazdei Kreskes, let me put it this way, he learned in the yeshiva over there in Aragon and Barcelona and Saragossa and those places. And uh, I remember reading, it was surprising to me that in those yeshivas they have philosophy courses. So it's like having English course to some degree in the yeshiva, which you would not expect. I'm talking about the Ron now. And uh, the reason is because they felt that they have to uh, endow the students with the ability to, you know, if you're going to be a rabbi somewhere, you're going to have to know how to argue against the left-wingers and not just cuss them out, but, you know, actually present intelligent arguments against them. So it's an unusual era in Jewish history. And therefore, he was against the Rambam in two senses, A and B. One, he opposed the Mishnah Torah, like anybody could do, like the Ravid, you know what I mean, on certain dinim that he held the Rambam was wrong. That's fine. And he was planning to write, I'll call it the anti-Mishnah Torah. You know, in other words, his own code of Jewish law, which is fine. Uh, and he would explain why he thinks of on the Rambam here, there, and there, and wherever. So notice, he was that big in learning. Secondly, he wanted to refute the Rambam, the Murnabuchim. So he was a, I'll say it again, I mean this in the highest sense. He respected the Rambam. He wasn't one of these, uh, you know, nuts or anything like that. The opposite. But one can, with the greatest respect, strongly disapprove or disagree with what someone else says, especially the Rambam. So, you know, with the greatest respect, he undertook to, to refute him intellectually. And therefore, he had two books to work on. One was the, uh, the uh, Mishnah Torah, and the other is the Murnabuchim. He wanted to write a Nigle book, a Halacha book, Kenegad the Mishnah Torah. And he wanted to write a philosophy book, Kenegad the Murnabuchim. That's a little bit of oversimplification, but that's good enough. After all, podcast is the grand central stations for oversimplification. And he put out the philosophy book against the Murnabuchim called Or Hashem the light of the Lord. But he never got around to doing the other one, which obviously would be longer. And so we, so his fame rests basically on this Sefer Or Hashem, which is very hard. I've done um, uh, most of it, 
with the two Kavrusas, and they were smarter than me. They they understood better than I did. Because I'm not into the philosophy so much. Nevertheless, it's a seminal book of Jewish thought. I would say very few people have ever read it, even though it's been famous down the centuries. And it's very dense, in my in my opinion. And he writes horribly. I can't stand the way he writes. The Rambam wrote wonderfully, even though the Rambam writes in Arabic, and what you read is a translation in the Hebrew. And Chazde Kresses, by contrast, wrote straight in Ivrit. But he's got a certain style. I mean, the Demis is now, I was reading it over just now to look at the parts I wanted to see. Wasn't as bad as when I went through it the first time, but I don't know. He's got this roundabout way of talking, and, and you know, I guess that must have been the style in the 14th century. I'm very serious. So you wouldn't find it necessarily an easy book. There just came out a translation into English by uh, Professor Rosalind Weiss. Uh, I met her, but I don't know you know, uh, that much about her. And if you're at all interested in Chazde Kreskes, I would recommend to you, if you can do it, to read the English first. You know, just, to, I'm giving you a, a, a good uh, suggestion. Even though I just opened this book for the first time in my life. Today. Uh, but I see, she did, you know, I mean, uh, not a fantastic, but a pretty good job. And, you know, I, I was in Hopkins. They, she went around with a, in a conference, you know, to talk to people and learn to get their feedback to help on the translation. So it was good. So with that long Hakdama, um, the question then becomes, what is Chazde Kreskes, who was a mind and a half? And by the way, he was a tremendous person. In the front of the Sefer, which I have in Hebrew, the Hashem, which I bought years ago simply because it was a classic, and I couldn't believe it had Nakudos. Can you believe that? And it was published by Roshlama Fisher, the famous Rabbi Roshlama Fisher, who's no longer here in Israel. And if he made it with Nakudos, he must must be that he wanted a bigger audience for it, and he realized it's hard enough without the Nakudos. Um, and in there, they have a famous introduction from the Chassid Yaivitz, who says, Chazde. In other words, he proclaimed his philosophical doctrines of Judaism among the Goyim. That is to say, he was a big shot at the royal court in Aragon, and he dealt with all the machers and the intellectuals in that part of Spain, that kingdom when he in his time. Um, made a kiddush Hashem for Rabbi Megadoli Hamalchus Nis Yahadu Bilibam, and he won over with the power of his arguments a lot of Goyim who wouldn't say, you know, wouldn't concede it, but you know, really they said to themselves, the guy's right. So now with that introduction, the question that becomes, so what does he have to say in the subject? And in his book, which deals with all kind of aspects of Amuna and and, and Yiddishkeit and uh, science, as the term science was defined in the uh, 14th century. Okay? Uh, the first part is Bikoris, Taurus, Aristo, and all that. Um, and it, I, I won't go into more than this, because he's, I must have done it on the podcast. He's very famous in intellectual history for being the first person to slug up Aristotle, but whatever. Um, so, um, in the third part, I guess, he gets into the questions, very interestingly, of um, 
Hishoros HaNefesh, Sechar Ba'onish, Tchies HaMesem, where else is it? Nitzchies HaTorah, Mashiach, I know he had Olam Haba here somewhere also. So notice he also has all these all these issues, and he's examining them from his point of view logically, although he's a right-winger. Really, 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 he's a Ramban type, except more intellectually sophisticated in, in the philosophy sense. Ramban was a great Godel, obviously, but he knew philosophy. Chazak whose mom is holding in philosophy, super. You know, he, he loved that stuff. I think Ramban, being a Makobol, and Chazak knew Kabul also, by the way, being a Makobol, so, you know, the philosophy, he knew it, but he was repelled by it. Mashiach and Chazak obviously loved to hock in it. There's no question about it. And I'm interested, obviously, in a podcast like this, in what, what does he contribute originally to the discussions. And there's one, when it comes to Trisamesim, right? Because he deals, you know, logically, you know, philosophically with Scharva Onish, all the rest of it. But uh, I, all I can do is give my understanding and and how I see him cutting to the chase. And that is the follows. Uh, as a philosopher, you ask the question, what's the purpose? So, what's the purpose of Trisamesim? Okay. Now remember, he's more like the Ramban than the Rambam. And he mentions, by the way, uh, what the Rambam says and what the Ramban says. But if you didn't learn it yourself, you wouldn't know what he means because he just tosses it, you know, a sentence here and a sentence there. He expects you to be familiar with it, you know, from the Shara Gumula, all the rest of it. If you heard what I said until now, then you could read his chapter and understand it. But uh, without that, you wouldn't be able to understand just from reading Chazde Kreskis. But um, uh, what he called? He has over here... Um, the question of Tchiyas HaMesim, and to me, the interesting part goes like this. What's the point of Tchiyas HaMesim? What is the point? No, why should God do that? Uh, which is an excellent question. And in general, this raises, as he will do so often, the question of the genus, in other words, of the, of the species. Tchiyas HaMesim is obviously, resurrection is a miracle. Why? Why does God do miracles? You know? In other words, if we, if we, if we count them all in the miracles, so Tchies is a miracle, Kriyas Yamsub is a miracle, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Elyonovi stood with the fire coming down, that's a miracle. Like, why does Hashem intervene in nature? What's the point? Is it a show off? You know? No. So what is it? And he says, in the beginning of this chapter, Tachas HaMashut of Lechol HaNisim and it flows, which is interesting that the purpose of Nisim um, is to be Makna Amuna Mitis Lakofrim. Isn't that interesting? God intends to compel uh, Kofrim to change and, you know, and, and have an Amuna Mitis. Because if you're a kofer and I'm arguing with you, and let's say I, let's say I'm Maimonides, and I slug you up and I present fantastic arguments for the existence of God, for example. Okay, so as I beat you in argument, but deep down, you can't help but say to yourself, he did defeat me in argument, and his 
arguments sound persuasive, but maybe he's wrong. You know, that's that's why today we don't really look for truth in argument except in yeshivas, you know. Usually today we look for truth in argument through science, through through empirical verification, through 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 laboratory, you know, uh, what's the right word? Not reproduction, but, you know, redoing it. So, um, correct? So, you know, if you tell me there's a telephone near my desk, I say, I don't believe you. Show me the telephone. I see it. Okay, so now I know it, you know. But if you have an argument that God exists, God doesn't exist, at the end of the day, it's like having an argument, is there a big bunny rabbit upstairs in the sky? Suppose I was a genius and a lot smarter than anybody around me. I could persuade you, like a good lawyer, that there's a bunny rabbit flying in the sky. You see? But deep down, you say, I can't refute the arguments, but, you know, you never know. On the other hand, if you see a miracle, um, then then it's makne amuna amitis. Now, to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, I shouldn't be going into this right now for the following reason. Chazde Kreskis, who is a very deep thinker, you know, it's the Rambam's able to wear it lightly on his sleeve. You can understand what he means, uh, because he was just that good in in presenting his thoughts. In in my opinion, opinion of most people. Uh, but Nachas de Kreskis, and the reason I'm saying is right now the Egged Chavrusa that we have on Thursday night. So we're going through a another work by Chaz de Kreskis, less known. It's called Rosha Sapesach. So, and we haven't, we, we're just in the middle of it, we, you know, in, in the beginning, in the middle of the beginning. And, um, uh, how should I put it? The, the nature of the thing that I've seen so far with him is that he's going after the idea of Pesach from the philosophical point of view, which is the denes, uh, you know, of Pesach was that Makna Emuna Amitis. And does a miracle in general give you emuna amitis? And that's a hard one to answer. And I would never do. He, he's so long and 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 you know twists back and forth in this. It drives me crazy. But um, I would just put it in, in 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 the framework of the Rambam of Maimonides, who famously says, "You can't trust a miracle." I think everybody remembers that in the beginning of the Mishnah Torah there in Helchus Yisriya Torah, I think. That by Moshe Rabbeinu, it took Maimon Harsinai and the revelation of God, however that took place, and that Hashem spoke to Moshe and people saw it, that gives you the unbreakable, you know, experience, irrefutable experience that Moshe Rabbeinu is a real thing. That's how the Rambam put it. Right? That's how the Rambam put it. Uh, and it's based on the Pesach, where God, of course, says, I'm going to come and reveal myself on Mount Sinai. I want everybody to hear when we speak to each other. And then they'll believe in you forever. And all of a sudden you'll have irrefutable proof. Now, to be perfectly honest, I don't, I'm not a philosopher, you know, so I have to warn you about that. I'm not so crazy about that argument. And neither, it seems, is Chazde Kreskis uh, for a number of reasons. But one of them is, you know, 
yeah, you saw the Maimon Harsini, maybe I saw a fake. You know? And he says, it's possible to Kishif, you know, and things like that. I mean, how did they know? Second of all, the human perversity is such that, you know, in, in, in almost any situation, you can always end up denying what you saw with your own eyes. And third of all, what about Korach? According to Chazal, Korach said, you're a liar. You didn't get this from God. Well, what, what's the whole point of Maimon Harsini? Begam b'chayam so, it's never as smooth as these intellectual arguments are presented in the medieval literature. I think the Rambam got this from Sadigon, and Sadigon is coming, and I don't know if Sadigon is the one who's Makadish, but as far as I'm aware, in Jewish literature he was, that, you know, and we, you and I have all heard this one, somewhere along the line in our education. You know, when it comes to Yashka, only a few people saw it. When it comes to Muhammad, Mamash, a few people saw when it comes to Claudia Moshe Menu, the whole army Yisrael was there. So you know, so you can't lie. You've heard that before, haven't you? Uh, so uh, it's in the Kuzari, but it's before that's in, inside you gone. Um, it's an argument. It's by no means an irrefutable argument, but I don't want to get into that now. But Chazekreskis, you know, is wrestling with this from the epistemological level, you know, can 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 a, a miracle, you know, give you enhanced uh, belief or irrefutable belief. But he says it here. Uh, and he chooses words carefully. Believe me, oh my goodness, does he do so. Tachlis hamashutav l'chol hanisim niflos lahaknus amuna amitis lakofram. You can't get better than that. It's to give amuna amitis. Amuna amitis means I really believe in it and I see there's no other way around it. So, you know, uh, if I'm looking at a bottle of salsa as I'm doing at this moment, and it's right in front of my nose, I mean, I guess in modern day parlance, you could say maybe I'm seeing optical collusion, but you know, not really. I'm 100% convinced at this moment there's a bottle of salsa in front of me. I mean, I don't even have a, the, a drop of fever in that, okay? So, um, he says that's the point of Teresa Mason, right? That the purpose, in his opinion, of resurrection is to be mechazik de'amuna beleva machzik b'tachas achizik in ultimate chizik v'yaknos abeleva poschem akofrim and to instill it, to be machnet into those who are kofrim, that is to say, they deny him and they're agnostic. They they have fakus like Eliyahu said, "Mosle etem poskim Okay, so this is very interesting to me, and this it seems to me is Sadigon's original contribution to the subject, and it may be, in other words, the reason a reason why God is going to doing this, because otherwise, like I said in the beginning, why should Hashem bother with this all? Why why do the whole Pachkavit business? Why don't you simply say, like the Rambam, you die, you, your neshama goes to, uh, you know, a different existence, and it has a grand old time there, and it surpasses anything that you can get physical. So what do you need physical for? And the Rambam said, no, it's going to be physical. It won't be, it won't be physical using all the parts of the body. You know, for example, people won't have to go to the bathroom and things like this. But if you, but, you know, like I explained, but the Rambam would say, why do you need, you know, a, a mouth to eat for or something like that? Kabbalistic reasons, you know, the mouth represents a Kabbalistic reality. The uh, 
you know, every part of your body, part of your body, represents a Kabbalistic Messias. Okay. Um, and he kind of believes that also, sort of, you know. I mean, he, he mentions it, but he doesn't embrace it. But but, but he, he knows Kabbalah. But this is not Nister. This is Nigla. And the idea goes like this. And then I'll read it to you. God wants to, according to him, God, who who is love, by the way, you know, it's pure Avo. That's his famous uh, definition. It's a little weird to me, but, you know, it's famous. It's pure Avo. So, um, God, who is pure Avo, wants to be makne amuna mitis to kofrim. And he wants to be chazik, you know, um, uh, the amuna of the of the maminim. Uh, believe me, I know. Since I have a somewhat popular podcast, a lot of people write me all the time with spakas and things like this, and which is fine, which is great. And I'm not going to give away the store, but you know, you'd be surprised how many people have spakas of one kind or another. And it's normal. And I mean, Hasidim and misnagdim, and some people are. I don't want to give details. You know, some people are Rabbanim and Magid Shears and this and that and the other, Mashkichim. It's it's really kind of remarkable, and and I understand it, you know, and you can certainly see where spakas are possible. It's almost like you know there, uh, and that affects a person's life because he goes through all life believing, let's say. But in the back of your mind, there's a suffolk. You suppress it, perhaps. But in the back of your mind, there's a suffolk. And that's a pity from the point of view of God's love because he would have a much nicer life and a better life if he had just pure amuna without any suffolk whatsoever. And not one that you had to suppress even. But that you know the same way you know that the seltzer bottle's in front of my face right now. But how can you do that? Given that God has created the human being with the eight of Tov and the eight of Horror, and you know, and 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 with a thinking mind, as we say today, so you can always see the possibilities. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not true. You don't know. You can say, "Well, I believe," and then, but you know, you don't know. So therefore, he, he God came up with the idea is going to be Tchisamesim, and Tchisam, the, and the Iker part of Tchisamesim goes Lamantasapro. When the dead come back. They will tell those who are still alive what what goes on in, in the other side, and that will show the people. And when one person after another after another after another, and the number of dead they'll come back will be huge. So when one after another after another all agree that this is what's on the other side, that will convince those who are alive here that the amuna is true, and they'll lose all the suffix. And, you know, any, uh, you know, problems they have in the middle will be crushed. And then they will have a much nicer life. The, those then have a beautiful life. Because I think even we would say today, the person has super amuna, goes through life much happier and on, on a different plane of existence than the regular person who has amuna, but he also has not amuna, you know, which he pushes down. And, um... And it's very interesting. So he, and he says, and I, I got to tell you the truth, I never thought of it from this angle. Now listen to this. 
How is it going to be? It's going to, you know, endow emunamitis in the heart of those who are un, un, uh, unclear or non-believing because I mean, let's put it this way. Suppose this may have happened tomorrow. Your great-grandfather would come back, whatever. He said, whoa. So what was it like? You know, you'll see Avinu. Uh, so what's it like? You'll see Moshe Avinu. So, uh, what's what's going on on the other side? And they will tell you from first-hand experience. That's going to be a completely different thing than reading something in a Muslim book or listening to a schmooze from somebody. Even if he screams at you, you have to believe all the rest of it. That's just like I said before, suppressing doubt. Here, you're talking about, you know, people say, believe me, I've been on the other side, and now I'm back on this side, and this is what's going on on the other side. And maybe the first guy you come across, you'll say, the guy's nuts. But when the second guy, and the third guy, and the woman, and the man, and this, and that, and the other, and the millions all say the same thing, and you say, huh. And your entire sense of reality will change, and you'll view, you know, life in such a different way, and... According to him, your life will be infinitely enhanced in its quality, and then you'll have a grand old time, even though you never died. So kibirosam beginim labonim, ubonim lavosam, ech avrubehi pardonavshem aguf. When they report what happened after death, when the body and the soul separated, right? Hamachzikim bemuna mitisik behimbel vam belebenim betachas achosek. Those are already from, will get a tremendous chizik. But Kofrin Ba, and those who denied, they'll be faced, they'll, they'll believe in it, because it, it won't be possible to have a suffix anymore. And they'll say everything we heard from the scientists, this one means by Shekhar Nukla It's not what you think, that we were told lies by our fathers, lies our fathers told us. Uh, that's, a, that's in uh, Jeremiah 16. Uh, all the fear stuff that we've heard, all the logic stuff that we've heard, which made great sense, all the truths, uh, for example, we're now in 2023, so all the truths that have been propounded for the last 250 years since the rise of modern science with its whole empiricism and its verification and its replication, that's the word I was looking for, and its replication and all the rest of it, and therefore that's the only real truth and the stuff they're told by faith is not true, or or it's it's just a belief, or something like that. You'll see, it was all not true. Everything I just said was false, but rather the the the, the Torah is the truth. And this is his original interpretation, of the famous pasuk, So that's next week's that Shabbos Agadol's. Uh, Haftar, isn't it? So, if you listen to this, in your show, you can give yourself a nice Dvar Torah. This is in um, Or Hashem, Mimer Gimel, uh, Klal Dalit, Perk Base. Okay? Now, um, and what does he say? What does it mean? Heishiv Le... Elyon is going to come, but Heishiv Le Vavos Albonim, Le Bonim Alavosom. So, what does that mean? So, this is so cute. Shatchia Tia... You know, when the resurrection comes, as far as those who are not dead yet, the living ones, it'll come in the form of parents or children. How so? 
Sometimes, tragically, children die in the lifetime of the father. We, you know, the, I did a podcast today, earlier in the day, because tonight and tomorrow is the birthday, would have been the birthday of Gabi Rosenblum. Unfortunately, he died in an accident. So when Tchia Samesim comes, he, he, he's going to tell the parents what it's like on the other side, right? And on the other hand, uh, you know, usually the parents die first in a normal life. And they tell the children, say, Whoever died will tell the ones who are alive what it's like on the other side. And the great prophet who will bring about this happening, meaning, uh, what do you call it, uh, Elian Navi, in the case I just said, where the children died first, Elian Navi will go, according to this, to the, uh, let's say, for example, the, the parents, and they'll say, here's your here's your dead child. Now he's coming back. This case I made him. And ask him what it was like. And if there are any of us that have spakers, they'll ask their own kids, right? What it was like on the other side. And vice versa. That's more normal. Like I say before, in a normal situation, the parent predeceases the child. And so, Elionov will go to the children and they'll say, here, I'm bringing back your father, your mother, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, and all the rest of it. Ask them what was like on the other side. And the Pusik only deals with, with that as examples. It's true of all kind of relatives. Okay? Uh, and consequently, uh, the, the, I don't think anybody ever thinks of it this way. Uh, at least I'm not aware. The, the purpose of um, of a mesim is basically for not for the mesim. It's for those who are alive, who haven't died yet, and and maybe they won't, but they'll have complete amuna. You know, they'll, they'll be of a different nature in terms of their being. And as he'll go on to say. When you have real money, you know, God's really there, all the rest, and then, then maybe you can have Abba Sachem, which is the goal. If you're not even sure God exists, how can you have Abba Sachem? You can say it, you can say, Krishna, and like I say, you can be inspired by a shmooz, by this, by a Hasidic rabbi, you know, whatever, but, you know, it rises and falls, it comes and goes. And there are many cases in the Chumash as well. I mean, you know, you can be sure that Korach, what Maimon Arsini totally believed, and then things happen, you know. But after this, Chazay Kreskis understands, when you actually see those coming back, then it'll be a different Zias. I mention this only because, and I'm running late, here we have a thinker who undertook to try, as far as I can see, to try to imagine what will the world be like um, when the dead come back. The Rambam made fun of those who wanted to know what he regards as the stupid details. Will they be young? Will they old? Will they come back in their old clothes? Will they come back in the Tachrichem? And all that kind of business, you know. Will they come back at the age of 20, 30, 40? Will they be old? 
You know, if they're all the out the cockers over the hill anyway, what's the point of coming back and living like that? You know, the, those are the questions that people are preoccupied with. But Kazakreskis is a high intellectual. And he said, no, let's take it. What, 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 and I throw this out to you because you should think this way also. You know, Sitaka, what will the world be when we see all the people from the past? All the tzaddikim, whatever you want to say. We see all the people from the past. How will that affect our life? Will I be the same person I am right now? Just I'll see my father, you know, my parents are gone. It's just, you know, uh, my parents will be here. So it's like saying, oh, good, now I can show you all the things that happened since you passed away. And here's your grandchildren. And, you know, that's those are little things. How will all this, you know, uh, affect how I'm going to live my life and how I'll relate to other people and, most importantly, how I'll relate to Rabban Shalom? Because I see all around me, you know, my relatives and others, let alone the great people of the past, who, like I say, have been on the other side, they'll tell you, you know, this is the way things are. And, uh, you know, don't fall for all the eight Sahara stuff. I mean, we've been there. And one after another after another will tell you that. That's going to have to have a major effect. So you won't have the same world that we have now with all the stupid cultures out there. And I'll just use the word internet, you know, as, as a euphemism. Uh, it'll be a game changer. Okay. Now, how that leads to, you know, and how it interacts with the Mosa Mashiach and, and especially Olam Haba, that will save for a future. It's already late. So, as always, I want to th- that's Chazdei Kreskis, who, as I told you before, it's hard to get through, but then he has these original things, that, and of course, he's quite right. You know, the, 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 these game-changer ideas, at least to me. Um, so with that, I want to thank once again Mishpah Zepansky for continuing this journey into the different opinions in the Sum of Bonham, and I wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.